this podcast is on sabotage. Now, in lesson two, we covered some of the definitions of sabotage, and I'm sure that we all have access to that PowerPoint slide presentation. This week, I want to focus on four themes of sabotage. The first is what I would call institutional sabotage. This is my own term. This is when fellow travelers or fifth columns secretly and subtly undermine the morale and effectiveness of an organization. So now I'm going to quote from the Office of Strategic Services, their simple sabotage field manual that was published or made known, made known to the public in 1944. A type of simple sabotage requires no destructive tools whatsoever and produces no physical damage, if any, by highly indirect means. It is based on universal opportunities to make faulty decisions, to adopt a non-cooperative attitude, and to induce others to follow suit. A non-cooperative attitude may involve nothing more than creating an unpleasant situation among one's fellow workers, engaging in brickering, or displaying surliness and stupidity. I like the word surliness. It's another one of these old-time words that I always have to look up again. So a little bit on this idea of institutional sabotage. Uh, strategic sabotage considers the acts of deliberately obstructing, these are my own words, slowing, disrupting, damaging, or destroying a group, network, a system, or apparatus, often for political or military advantage. Now for Merriam-Webster, we have sabotage in the same vein as an actor process tending to hamper or hurt. And the next definition I want to use from Merriam-Webster is deliberate subversion. Okay, so there's a lot of overlap between sabotage and subversion. Ultimately, saboteurs are the people that can be considered to do uh, subversion, or subversives can be doing sabotage. We'll talk a little bit more about this, but the bottom line is that some people use these terms interchangeably when they're not talking about destroying physical sites or physical apparatus. And we'll go a little more, more into that in seminar. Sabotage needs not be dramatic or sudden. It can be discrete, discreet, and these are my own words, discreet, subtle, even unnoticed, and long-term. If, for example, a manager in a bureaucratic organization subtly institutes unnecessary policies, procedures, permissions, meetings, paperwork, attention to unimportant details, paralysis by analysis, excessive planning, excessive layers of oversight, and less than efficient management to retard the overall mission of the organization. His actions may be perceived by his superiors or peers as attentive and thorough oversight and management, perversely, at best. So in other words, bad management can be seen by good management, in some cases, by other people. As in, wow, that person is really attentive to details. He really enjoys um, executing certain procedures and systems. So at best, this person, this saboteur, if you will, can be considered actually a good manager. In some cases, get good marks, and there are some... Um, interesting case studies about that. Less than ideal, but nevertheless sufficient enough leadership. So in other words, he can be considered, okay, well, that's not great leadership, but good enough. We're going to keep that person on. He certainly is not a saboteur. He certainly is not trying to slow down the bureaucracy. 
or, and third, just dismissed as a benign, unique style of leadership. So, well, it's not very effective, but it looks like he's executing some sort of management uh, policies, perhaps something that he learned at a uh, management of business uh, school. Similarly, a worker may labor slowly or inefficiently, just enough to be acceptable to the organization with the intent to lessen the overall effectiveness of the organization or state. And of course, I always think back to that 1990s film, Office Space. If one wishes to find specific methods to slowly and discreetly sabotage the effectiveness of an organization, one should seek out advice from service members of, for example, some marine units or special forces units. And why I suggest this is very often these units, not, it's not all the case, of course, but very often small uh, specialized units of this caliber implement some of the world's best management systems, efficient and effective and driven by survival and resolve and resolute dedication to mission success. These types of units have slim management systems that tend to empower the least ranking troops. They employ motivational narratives, esprit de corps, input from all, invite criticism from all, and respect uh, for everyone so that they can better kill and win battles. Now, of course, some leaders uh, in the Marines, special force communities, might be less than ideal, but it is these organizations that officers and non-commissioned officers are most sensitive to inefficiencies and ineffective leadership. They are trained to sniff out, learn from, and then snuff out such detrimental practices. And they often have uh, wicked insights into how best to make an organization ineffective and inefficient. So they're going to maybe take it extra personally when they see inefficiencies uh, in an organization that they've been a part of or that they have uh, dealt with. Okay, so that's the first type of, or the first theme of sabotage I want to talk about. And that is people in some cases purposely trying to slow down an organization through what we would consider bad management, sometimes under the auspices of good management. The second theme is when sabotage is an end state without saboteurs. Specifically, it's causing the type of infighting and second guessing that might be done by a winning, knowing, planning saboteur, but in this case, the saboteurs are unwitting. This is a type of subversion which we have already discussed. It's causing doubts and infighting within an organization specifically. So we're not getting organizations to fight each other. We're trying to get an organization, even a small organization, to fight one another and to slow down their processes, to second guess. An example is sowing doubts and paranoia inside a violent extremist organization. And there's some great case studies on this. This point is not particularly original to this course, uh, but I think it's worth mentioning. And it's something we will discuss in seminar. As some professionals consider this indirect sabotage as actual sabotage or subtle sabotage instead of using the word subversion. So again, sometimes professionals use these words a little bit interchangeably. Uh, we'll talk about, again, definitions and the overlap in seminar. The third theme is how to look internal, internally into an organization to the inverse of sabotage. So as managers, leaders, and subordinates may be unwittingly sabotaging the efficiency and effectiveness of an institution through bad management practices, through a toxic atmosphere, or through some hidden ill will, perhaps subconscious gripe. One of the lessons from the World War II document, Simple Sabotage, is that 
An organization is about people above systems and standards. The bottom line is that if you have motivated jackrabbits with a chip on their shoulder and something to prove, you may want to provide the room to allow them to thrive so that they are happy in their basic tasks, their most important tasks, and can help the organization do better, not punish them by putting them in their place or shoving them into meetings. And I hope you guys get the reference here that follows. In, but instead, doing TPS reports for eight bosses and being drowned in meetings all day. And that's just one example of the right way, perhaps, to motivate or to manage or to lead certain types of people. Now, I'm just talking about that over-motivated person with sacred values that really, really wants to do well and really believes in her mission. Of course, there's other people that need to be managed and led in different ways, uh, and we can talk about this ways that we can conduct what I would like to call inverse simple sabotage to have a more effective and efficient organization. The fourth and final theme we may consider uh, in the lesson for the limited time that we have in this course and in this particular lesson, uh, we might consider is the final throes of subversive warfare, specifically right when it goes kinetic and turns into more kinetic battles. Examples include the saboteurs setting Europe on fire, sometimes literally, before the Allies landed in France. Uh, and guerrillas in the Philippines turning it up to 11 and not holding back, targeting every single target possible, understanding that the days of subtlety were over. This is right before and as MacArthur uh, and his soldiers were landing in Luzon. Now, when considering these final throws of subversive warfare, when it goes kinetic, when it goes from being subtle and internal to very overt, um, some things that you might want to consider intelligence-wise. So, although intelligence of the vulnerabilities of targets may be helpful for a saboteur, there is another industry that is often most sensitive to and has the greatest insight into degrading systems or destroying systems. This is the insurance industry, the underwriters industry. Sabotage commanders have often sought the advice of appropriate insurance agents to the myriad of ways to degrade or destroy equipment and systems. These commercial professionals often dedicate their professional lives to investigating insurance fraud, systemic vulnerabilities, and best practices of maintenance and use. And of course, we have lots of great insurance professionals in the National Guard, in the reserves, or perhaps they were formerly professionals and they're now in active service. Um, you can always read these folks in and read them out as necessary uh, if you find yourself in these final kinetic stages of subversive warfare. And I really like the quote from, this is actually a quote from the SOE, and you can find it in a number of books to include in the Kix reading, also in the Stevenson reading that we had last week, which was, the focus was, and I quote, to coordinate all actions by way of subversion and sabotage, to set Europe ablaze. And this became a little bit more literal in the very final days of subversive warfare when we went from subversive warfare and many of the subversives became scouts for the US Army in Europe and also the British Army um, and we went fully kinetic we went into conventional war we went from this sort of partisan warfare into much more conventional war so instead this was sabotage of facilities and railroads and airfields that were ignited as the Allies landed on Normandy and also from the Ramsey reading on the Philippines. MacArthur had sent uh, to his guerrilla commanders via radio before the U.S. Army landed the following. Starting immediately, destroy enemy wire communications, railroad tracks, 
rolling stock and trucks, planes, concealed and dispersal areas, ammunition, oil, and supply dumps. Then the crescendo. Unleash maximum possible violence against the enemy. So for the purposes of this course and the purposes of this lesson being done at a non-sensitive level, uh, we're going to focus mostly actually on themes one and two. And we're probably going to focus mostly on theme two, which is a form of subversion, if you will. That's the way at least I like to couch it for learning and teaching purposes. So this is subversion and trying to create infighting, trying to create paranoia within a single organization. Okay, um, And then number one is when you actually try to support witting, knowing, and very aware saboteurs. That's not terribly relevant to today outside of a conventional uh, regional or world war, but it's something we can talk about. But it really is theme number two um, that I think we want to go deeply in. And this is one of the reasons why sabotage is lesson number nine, because ultimately this is something that we have been discussing since the very first minute of the first lesson. I just want to go a little more deeply into this issue. Thank you for your time.